and welcome to the Gear Podcast. My name is Sean, and joining me as always is the one only Dante Bachman, Mr. Bachman, man. How are we? I'm better than a uh, a GM, an ex-GM <laughs> to be named. Uh, and that's how I am, Sean. How are you? I'm good. Well, you're probably better than a current GM as well, because that's that's the two things we're going to talk about today. Um, and it's it's weird because we're just around the corner from training camp. You know, a lot of major decisions have been made by these said gentlemen that we're going to talk about. And all of a sudden they're just fucking, you know, one of them's out, one of them's on the way out of their team. I mean, looks like David Griffin's probably going to be staying just because of, and you can read my article on fire David Griffin. He's quite entitled. Uh, but yeah, where do you want to start? You want to start with the Timberwolves? Yeah, let's let's start with the Timberwolves. This, so, is, this, is, this, is, this is crazy. This is crazy. Look, it's it was the right move to make, maybe, but the timing is awful. So this just came from Wolves PR, like it wasn't even leaked. It just came in a press release, and like, can you imagine just being one of these like NBA journos who's just like, oh, an email from Wolves PR, like, what is it? Jordan McLaughlin just like has a three point shot now, uh, but no, it was that the Minnesota Timberwolves have parted ways, obviously because he is uh, the hue of his skin. Um, he's been parted ways with Gerson Rosas, the general manager of the team, and Sachin Gupta will take over immediately on an interim basis as the head decision maker for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Now, the first thing I think of and I thought of when I saw this news this morning was you've just given Rosas a full off-season of you know autonomy to do what he wants with the basketball team with like multi-million dollar decisions and you know, there's been subsequent reporting, which we're going to talk about, about how this is sort of a long time coming, toxic uh, culture, relationship issues amongst the front office. And if like, if you, it's not like he just did something right then and there. Okay. We have to fire him. This was slowly building. And in the slowly building process, what made you want to do it so badly now after he's already made these decisions as opposed to two months ago before? Like, yes, obviously he didn't draft anyone because he doesn't have a pick. The Golden State Warriors had it. But before he traded Wancho, before he traded Jarrett Culver and traded for Patrick Beverly, among other moves, what do you think? Well, I think that it shouldn't, I think that you shouldn't um, look backwards and making these decisions. You should always look forwards. So if you decide that he's not the right person for the job, you should just make that move because if you keep him around uh, or wait for a better time or whatever, like then you're into the season, you're into training camp and it's like, well, now it's a worse time and you don't want to lose this season. You know, it's crucial for everyone involved with the team that this season is better and firing him halfway through the season or, you know, we'd be having the same conversation like, why the bad timing if they did it 10 games into the season? So it's not good timing now, like from the present day onwards. There mm. was good timing, you know, two months ago when is the off season um, because it's not like they didn't know that the team had been shit. It's not like they didn't know that he had been the gentleman in charge of making all of the moves. And the the dual reporting of an inappropriate relationship, which we'll get an into. An inappropriate consensual relationship, which we'll, well get into. <laughs> an inappropriate relationship, which we'll get into. And a toxic workplace culture. Those are two things that wouldn't have sprung up overnight. That would have been building for, you know, he's been there for like two plus years. He's had two full seasons there. So... Those are things that would have been very obvious. So why you would not fire him in, you know, why you'd fire him in September as opposed to July, I don't know. If I was putting on my uh, gossip conspiracy hat, I would say that the reporting around the 
inappropriate consensual relationship, which uh, John Krasinski from The Athletic reported was a consensual sexual relationship with a female member of the uh, organization. Gerson, Gerson Rosas is married, <laughs> by the way. I would, I would suspect that maybe that could be the catalyst here, that mm. something's gone on there and they're like, look, this guy's not that good and he's instituted a toxic workplace culture and now he fucked the secretary on the desk. <laughs> we got to get rid of this guy. So like the, the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah, I think this really brought the camera's back because otherwise it's like there's there's nothing that would cause it's not like Glenn Taylor, the owner, would have just woken up one day and been like, hmm, like I'm not okay with this toxic mm. workplace culture. And you know that he is because he's an old white businessman. <laughs> so as long as the team's getting results, he doesn't care about a toxic workplace culture. Mm. Well, so, I, mean, I mean, a lot of assuming, but you're probably right. Um, but that's something I also wanted to bring up there with the owner, Glenn Taylor, Glenn Taylor because obviously he sold the team in the past half a year and he sold it to, I think it was Alex Law, sorry, Mark Law and Alex Rodriguez. So the, there's two people buying both Minnesota Timberwolves and the Lynx, the WNBA team. Uh, and so this is like, they, they were doing, I think it was a year and a half for a two-year transition process. And it all seems incredibly awkward. Like I've read a couple of John Krasinski's articles in the past year. And it just sounds like, yeah, it, it just sounds kind of weird. Like Glenn Taylor's like walking around saying, this is my dude. This is my dude. And Glenn Taylor had these quotes where he's like, I've brought these people in and these are good people. I want them to stay. And it's like, well, you have any cake and eating it too. Um, you're just going to keep all your people. And then this awkward new ownership is just going to not imprint their just you know their their what, what their personnel on the team um but this is uh, look, this is good timing in terms of the transition because glenn taylor has been the face of this firing sort of this parting ways um so people can look at it and say okay glenn taylor said that we want to get rid of him because we want to move forwards glenn taylor said this glenn taylor said bring in session gupta so now glenn taylor cops the brunt on the way out and it's hardly a big brunt but at least the, the thing is on glenn taylor's resume so that when uh mark law and alex rodriguez come in they could, they've essentially got a clean slate even though i'm 100 sure they had something to do with this because this is their team moving forwards and this is their decision to make for the future of their basketball franchise so i, I like that point of view um, do you want to talk a little bit about the Gupta uh, assigning? Yeah, well, I mean, I don't really know. I don't really know who he is, other than that he has a bit of a reputation as uh, being what Rosas was <laughs> a few years ago, which is like something of like a Maury Sam Hinky tree whiz kid, uh, you know, whiz late thirty year old. With, with um, like early onset, early onset balding kid. Yeah, well, they, they've got two. They've got two balding. They've yeah, swapped, swapped balding men for each other, which is if if that's if that's not indicative of like the the NBA's managerial culture, then I, I don't know what is. Well, it makes um, you good at maths. That's been proven. <laughs> so yeah, so so have you have you heard much about this guy? Like previously, do you, is he on your radar? Because he's pretty much in the shadows for me. So he's on my radar. Now I'm going to sound like a bit of a twat, but you know, obviously reading a book, reading the tanking this to the top book by uh, uh, Weitzman. your own Weitzman. So he wrote a lot about Sachin Gupta and Gupta was someone who Sam Hinkie brought in when he took over the 76ers. And obviously there was the whole issues with that 76ers front office. Front office. So Sam Hinkie came in and he brought in Sachin Gupta as his secondhand man. And then pretty much what happened was he was the assistant to the general manager 
but Hinky would be there would be the whole war room of decision making, and Hinky would be in his personal office with Gupta while everyone else is outside, and he would just completely like separate him and Gupta from the rest of the front office and say, "Hey, can you get these scouting reports on like fifty dudes? All right, I'll talk to you later." And these the rest of the front office just had no input whatsoever. It was literally just Gupta and Hinky. They were the two people making all the decisions, the two people who knew everything. Because the whole thing with Hinky is that you didn't want to trust everyone because information is power. If you told someone something, maybe they're going to leak it to the media, or maybe they're going to tell their friend in another front office for whatever the reason may be. Uh, and he only trusted Gupta. And Gupta is another one of those maths whiz kids, like yes, early thirties kids. Uh, and like, I, I actually, I saw some really interesting thoughts on Twitter from both verified and non-verified people on Twitter. So, so take it with a grain of salt, um, or maybe take it a little bit heavier, but the thing is he is the next whiz kid. And look, you talk about the Daryl Morey tree of general managers. They've all kind of fucked up apart from Daryl Morey. Like this isn't Greg Popovich's coaching tree. Like Daryl Morey's GMing tree isn't, isn't like the most lush. Could you agree on that? Yeah, hundred percent. There's like littered with littered with failure, and you know, wrote us <laughs> added to the added to the pile. But holy fuck, does it read well? And <laughs> you and I sit here and go, oh, I mean, you know, he he was under <laughs> he was under Daryl Morey. So so Gupta was under Daryl Morey, and then he was also like the the guy to come with Hinky to start this venture with the 76ers. Obviously, Rosas took the job in Minnesota. He came there. So some people were saying that maybe this immediate firing and hiring was also looking at the landscape, saying, okay. There's probably a few general managers that might not have or president of basketball operations that might not have their jobs in the current in the next 12 months. Um, cough, cough, David Griffin, who we're going to talk about soon. And then as soon as those teams go, okay, we've just we've just fired this dude, who's the next, you know, young whiz kid? It's Gupta. Um, so maybe the Timberwolves were like, okay, if we do this now, as opposed to firing Rosas, let's say you give Rosas 12 more months and say, hey, maybe make the playoffs with this roster. And if he fails, you could turn around. But then if he fails, you turn around and maybe Gupta is the GM for Cleveland or something. So it's like, maybe do it now. The timing is a little bit better here. Again, I probably would have preferred it two months ago, but just sort of bring in the guy that you might've even had a, a plan to bring him up eventually. And now you're a little bit worried that someone's going to poach him. But then again, like, fuck, what do we know about Daryl Morey's GMing tree so far? It hasn't proven all that well. Uh, and look, I, I I don't see... Like, should we talk about the moves a little bit? Because I like I, I can't really say too much about Gupta, but what do you think? Well, I mean, on- it's 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 like like it's terrible, even if that was the case, though, what mm. you just said, like they were like looking at Gupta and being like, This is the guy that we want to like, make sure stays in the organization. And if that means we have to make him the top dog, then we're gonna have to make him the top dog. Mm. They would have known that two months ago. It's not like he's new and they're like, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It, it is organizationally like pretty, pretty bad because of, and we should talk about the moves because they've allowed Rosas to have a full off season of implementing, continuing to implement his plan, mm. which thus far hasn't worked. So if you assume, as we probably both do, that it wasn't really going to work and that continuing along Rosas's pathway wasn't going to lead too much in the long term or the short term then allowing him to do this and then bringing in Gupta and simultaneously depriving him of assets and opportunities to implement his vision but also then making him have to re- invest organizational resources in like unpicking the this you know the seams that Rosas has sown it's just it's an organizational clusterfuck is what mm-hmm. it is but you know they haven't really done anything that major this offseason because 
one one Golden State Warriors uh, franchise had their first round pick. Chestnut seven. checkers, chestnut checkers. That is light years if I've ever seen it. But you know, like, 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 still imagine the groundwork that this bloke Gupta could have been doing if he was in, you know, two, two and a half months ago instead of now, where it's mm. like you're weeks away from training camp and you don't have any opportunity to do anything and you're literally just rolling in with Rosas's. Yeah. I, I just, it's just, it's a clusterfuck. Mm. All right. So the athletic did a really good job at just summing up Rosas's time as well. Uh, and I went on Instagram because it was a nice little graphic, so I can just read it for you from here. Um, but on Instagram, the top comment on the athletics Instagram post is by a dude called millionaire underscore mentor zero mentor zero zero. And the comment is $5,000 for the first 20 people to DM me depressed. Anyway, um, so the notable <laughs> transactions in Rosas' time was he obviously traded the 11th pick in the 2019 draft to your Phoenix Suns for Dario Saric and the sixth pick, uh, selecting Jarrett Culver. He traded Robert Covington for Malik Beasley, Juan Hernan Gomez, Jared Vanderbilt, and a 2020 first-round pick, which ended up becoming Alexei Pokashevsky. And then, of course, he traded Andrew Wiggins and their 2021 first-round pick and 2021 second-round pick, who became Miles McBride, uh, for Giannangelo Russell, Jacob Evans, and Amari Spellman. I still think this league has room for Amari Spellman. Uh, and then, obviously, he drafted Anthony Edwards first overall after taking quite quite a leap up to the number one pick. Um, not, not the best resume. No, not the best resume at all. And I just... They've got good players on their team, obviously. Like, Cat is a, obviously a superstar. Edwards, you know, he could go either way. You could see him becoming, you know, that... If, if it clicks, you could see him becoming, like, you know, fucking Dwayne Wade or something. If it doesn't, well, we'll see what Mon- we have. <laughs> Monte uh, You know, D'Angelo Russell is a... D'Angelo Russell is a good basketball player. He's just not a good basketball player for the contract and the role that they have. Malik Beasley mm. is stick value uh, if he can stay on the court through injury and suspensions. Um, so there's there's assets here and there's always been assets here. And I think, you know, in, in looking at the summation of what Rosas has done, yes, there's been challenges for the team. Uh, Ryan Saunders being a shit coach was a large challenge that he acted upon by firing Chris Finch. But mm. he was the one that decided to give Ryan Saunders a season and a half anyway. So it's not like, oh, Ryan Saunders was really bad. He wanted to like see how it went and then make a move, right? He, you know, you, you're, the, you're the head honcho. So the decision to keep him in place, even though you were probably pretty sure that he's bad, reflects poorly. Um, and yes, there was, you know, cat injury issues and Beasley missed time with suspension and Delo missed time with injuries. But what team hasn't? had over the last, you know, 18 months. And even in a regular season, it doesn't have like, you know, terrible things happen on a regular basis. Not Maybe not terrible, like on, mm. on the order of magnitude of Kat's personal experiences. But teams deal with ups <laughs> and downs. to his head. Teams, <laughs> Would it be terrible? Teams deal with ups and downs all the time. And, and they don't like, you know, churn out shit season after shit season with very little signs of, progr- of progress. So I think... If maybe Rosas feels like he's been hard done by, but I think like assessing the direction of the franchise managerially and then on the court, like no one's expecting this team to even compete for a playing spot. And if you know, if you're if you can't even be if you can't Fucking even be in the seed. vicinity of the tenth seat, it's not even that you have to be tenth. It's just like could you be 12th and like three games behind 10th? If that's mm. not even realistic, then you're a fucking shit team. And the <laughs> fact that he's had 
so much like top level talent come through and has mismanaged resources and assets so badly to the point where they, you know, they would tank if they could, but they can't tank because they had no fucking draft picks. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's done a really shit job. And I think that, you know, aside from the fact that he was uh, having an extramarital affair with an, a person inside the organization, which obviously everybody knew about, which, you know, that just sounds like a bad idea. <laughs> if I was going to have an extramarital affair with someone inside the organization, I would try my best to make sure people didn't know about it. But obviously he didn't get the memo um yeah i think that he probably deserved to be fired all right or, so or parted ways with we were over the moon when we first heard that the nba was going to be televised on australian free to air tv in the 2019-20 season it didn't exactly go swimmingly with the nasty cough halting the season and games getting cancelled left right and center but it was a huge step and an exciting one for basketball fans all across the country better yet it wasn't a commercial channel cashing in on some basketball nerds like us It was SBS, one of our public broadcasters. Unfortunately, the NBA wasn't the only thing SBS was pushing last season. They also ran advertisements from Sportsbet, Ladbroke, Bet365, BetEasy and Neds, some of the biggest sports betting companies in Australia. In a one step forwards, two steps backwards move, SBS has dropped the ball here. As a public broadcaster, SBS plays a key role in providing relevant, culturally appropriate health information to local communities. The last thing SBS should be doing is offering a platform for gambling companies during the most financially unstable time in recent memory. This past year, men aged 18 to 24 made up 79% of new gambling account holders with increased median spending and frequency of bets. This is the last thing we should be spending our money on given the financial uncertainty that comes with the pandemic. During COVID lockdowns, wagering companies spent more money on advertising and incentives to gamble, and it worked. SBS needs to hear from viewers that gambling ad revenue isn't worth the harm it causes. Call on the SBS chair, George Savitas, to put community health ahead of gambling revenue by signing the petition at www.endgamblingads.org.au forward slash get gambling off SBS with hyphens in between. (laughs) So um, that will be all for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Now, obviously, something that Session Gupta has in common with someone across the world is Michael Voss. Uh, Two of them have both been given head decision-making jobs and Michael Voss, the segue here is someone who also looks like uh, looks a lot like Michael Voss is David Griffin. Is, is that a good segue? I was fucking. I was wondering how you're how you're going to bring it back in. Um, do they look alike? I feel like Michael Voss has a much fuller head of hair than David Griffin. But but they're both they're both gingers. They both could have a goatee. One of them decides to, the other one doesn't. They're both like they're, both yeah, they're either burly, burly or the decision to not be burly. Like, Michael I think- Voss has, has an, an extremely distinguished uh, professional athletics career. Professional yeah, but like, career. I reckon if you chuck David Griffin in the gym like six days a week, like he's got the he's got the build, you reckon? Yeah, he's a big boy. He could definitely get into it. But I mean, Michael Voss is not like carrying 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 around like a shredded body. Like Michael Voss is carrying <laughs> around a body like you've got Michael Voss in the gym. Maybe if you got Griff in the gym six days a week, he could become Voss. And if you got Voss in the gym six days a week, he could become shredded. He could but become Simon Black. Michael Voss is just a- <laughs> Michael Michael Maybe- Voss. Michael Voss. He's he's at the body shape where, hey, like you're you're in this crowded room and like, oh god, can you give me a hand with this? He'll jump down on his hands and knees and give you a hand with the heavy thing, uh, and he could back up a truck and no one would ask any questions. 
Yeah, definitely, definitely. I, I mean, on a, on a, an AFL related note, Michael Voss obviously just been announced as the new Carlton head coach. I wish Michael Voss every success. As a, as a diehard Brisbane Lions fan, I wish Michael Voss every success. Didn't quite work out for him uh, on his first go around, but he's one of these guys um, who has, you know, had an experience, negative experience, taken his lumps gone on and just decided to try and learn from some of the from some student of the, greats. Of the game student of the game he's like <laughs> he's like dimmer please teach oh. me what you know he's like ken hinckley please teach me what you know and then he's he's just like learning at the you know not that ken hinckley's some like master of the game but he's learning at the knee of some learned people and uh, i wish him every success uh, i really do um, for our American listeners, Carlton Football Club is essentially the New York Knicks and Michael <laughs> Voss is David Fisdale getting hired on day one. So you're optimistic, but it's, again, it's the Knicks. So, you know, they just churn through coaches. Is that Take a good call? for data. <laughs> All right. So this news coming from Christian Clark of the New Orleans Times Picayune. Now, obviously, we don't get news from there often, but... How good. Um, I also have a copy of the Times pick in my bedroom because I bought one when I was in New Orleans. But the the report is that David Griffin is struggling in New Orleans. That is a headline and a half. Um, Are they struggling with him or is he struggling with them? Or is well, it a mutual struggle fest? It's a it's simple a, struggle. The a parted ways struggle. Um, yeah. I, I would have gone with the title fire David Griffin. Um, now, obviously, if you do want to read an article with the title Fire, Grade, Fire David Griffin, you can go to the deep2.com. I cannot believe it's that easy. Um, but this article just sort of details everything we've already known and we've already like half confirmed but haven't really confirmed. And now, now it's out there and it's out there just in time for training camp and it's so icky and I love it because I do not like David Griffin and I don't think he should be holding a job. Um, so a lot of the animosity between David Griffin and the team uh, is that he uh, is the way that he hired, is the way that he handled Zion Williamson's return from meniscus surgery as a rookie. Um, we all remember the game that Zion came back against the San Antonio Spurs and hit four threes in a quarter. That was amazing. Zion thinks he should have came back about fifty games earlier. Um, obviously, they were playing things extremely cautious, but you know that was just a really rough rough start to start the season. That obviously they went into the bubble hard to play basketball in the bubble and David Griffin was trying to keep up that relationship. And according to this report, he was texting him daily uh, and in the bubble, he, so I'll, I'll actually read this quote. It says the relationship between Williamson and David Griffin had also begun to sour during his rookie season. Griffin tried hard to forge a bond, but they communicated infrequently. Now, while the Pelicans are in the bubble, Griffin asked to meet with Williamson and played the piano for him. Dante, what, what comes to your mind when you, when you hear that paragraph? I'm thinking of like Griff like in like the, you know, like a black tuxedo with like a bow tie and like a really ex- expensive hotel <laughs> lobby yeah. wearing like some white gloves playing the piano. Um, just like if my boss was texting me every day, <laughs> like, what are you fucking doing? You'd feel ick, man. Why are you messaging me? And you've seen, you've seen the way that like some, um, American sports stars text when they like share screenshots. It's like, you know, like, like hope the family's well. Yes, sir. You too. Keep grinding. Always give it a hundred percent. And it, we don't need, we don't need this every day. We do not need this every day. Um, yeah. I, I think uh, especially someone who has a bit of a reputation for maybe not treating people the best. 
I don't know whether Zion is an intuitive person or, or not, whether he kind of like figured out pretty quickly that maybe Griff is a bit of a snake oil merchant. <laughs> but let's just say hypothetically that he did. Then it's like double bad because he's there being like, I'm not this guy's biggest fan. And now he's trying not to Not your like, brother, you goose. <laughs> not your brother, you goose. It's <laughs> the so way you live your life, scumbag. <laughs> anyway, for our American listeners, don't worry about it. Um <laughs> But now it's like this guy who he's not really not really vibing with is trying really hard to like be friends with him and it just becomes even more transparent and mm. you know like you know that you know when there's someone that you don't like and and you know that they know that you don't like them but they want to change it and so they're like oh Sean like hi how's it going they're trying to be like really nice to you and you're like look you see right through it Alan I don't want anything to do Alan with you. Who yeah, the fuck I'm is just, Alan? Well, I'm just thinking about, you know, a name started at the start of the alphabet. <laughs> Probably would have gone with Aaron if I was right at the start. But um, <laughs> yeah, I think the book on Griff is maybe out a little bit. And I want to give us a bit of a pat on the back because I feel like we've been pretty at the forefront of this charge in the basketball news media world because we've been, you know, calling this bloke out for pretty much his entire Pelicans tenure. Um very consistently and i feel like maybe the the rest of the basketball commentary have only been applying these principles to the to the griff situation sporadically so i feel like we deserve a bit of a pat on the back hmm. yeah thank you dante and, and you do deserve a pat on the back let's let's just have a little circle jerk for a moment um but when i when i imagine david griffin playing the piano for zion williamson i'm like does he play like still dre like, does he just like, I could just imagine David Griffin, Michael Voss build hunched over a piano in like the middle of like Barclay Square in, in Brunswick, just like start tapping those, whatever, you know, just the, the intro to still dry. And then just looking at him like, does anyone know what I'm playing? So, <laughs> Dr. Dre. <laughs> uh, and it's just, oh, it, it really hurts. me. And just like when you were saying that, imagine if your boss texts you every day, it's like, no, no one needs that unless like, you work for like the social media for a team, then maybe you should probably unless it's like, every day. Unless it's like genuine and it's like, you know, he saw this meme thought of you and it's like, <laughs> there you go. Then then, then all the Zion has to reply is like, ha ha, ha funny <laughs> meme. Like it's a good one. And then, um, no, then you go on Zion's phone and it's all like, you can't view this story because it's from a blocked account. <laughs> Oh, it's no, it is because it's not a, it's not an industry where you need to text every day and just hang out. It's, um, Anyway, no, well, and especially like maybe maybe there's more of an argument for the coach doing it. Yeah. Uh, although yeah. although I can imagine how Zion would probably respond if um, Stan Van Gundy was texting him every day as well. But uh, yeah, yeah, Stan you, Van Gundy wrote still Dre. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, after uh, protests in Melbourne and the earthquake, nothing <laughs> shocked me. Not even that. Um, so there was a report there. There's a, a nice little, um, a nice little nugget in this report from uh, Christian Clark at the Times Picayune, which dates back to uh, April 2020 when the last dance was airing, and that some people in the organization um, began to refer to Griffin as Griff Kraus, which is not a particularly uh, inventive nickname at all. Doesn't roll off the tongue. Shit. 
doesn't really roll off the tongue at all. But obviously the comparison to Jerry Krause being made directly to your general manager is a pretty good indication of the esteem that they held him in. And that mm. dates to six, that's six months ago. I mean, um, 18 months ago. So these are obviously like pretty long running issues. And 18 months ago, how long had he been there? Like less than a year. So he's yeah. not really wasted any time in getting everyone inside the organization to fucking hate him, which is honestly a bit of a, like, that's a, that's a hard thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Although for- maybe not for someone with the demonstrated history of entitlement that you have exposed previously. Thank you, Tantone, again. Um, no, but so with the with the Griff Krauss, now obviously this this was a group text, and I imagine the group text is between the players. Maybe they text every day, maybe they don't. Um, what do you think Stephen Adams' role was in referring to him as Griff Krauss? Because A, I think Stephen Adams has the humor that would just call him Jerry Krauss and just liken him directly to Jerry Krauss. Um, and like, do you reckon, like, which player in this text thread, Eric Bledsoe, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Zion Wilson, which player first said it, do you reckon? I think Adams is a good, uh, is a good shout. Cause I can't, I can't quite tell if he's like Mr. Nice Guy or he's got that like, tell it how it is, like ruffian kind of sense of humor. Mm. Um, Eric Bledsoe gives me like insidious locker room vibes rather than like just <laughs> saying what he thinks he's he's kind of like he's like a little rat sneaking around like whispering in people's ears being like griff grouse griff grouse uh I, I don't know i think i think adams is a adams is a good shout but i mean like what if it was what if it was like uh ingram or zion and yeah. it's like it, it starts right at the top and it's like if you got one of the best two players on your team not even really respecting you um that's a problem and i guess it's just like i think there more broadly has been a shift in the role of the general manager to being more involved with the team than someone like what we saw jerry Krause, who you know his offices are in a different form in the building he doesn't necessarily have that much to do with the team mm. um communicates with the team via the coach often like the there's kind of a more holistic movement mm. with general managers becoming part of the team but like the general manager doesn't need to be part of the team to the point that he's texting the players mm. like dennis Lindsay, you know i think is, <laughs> is is um maybe no longer the head decision maker in utah but someone like him you can't imagine him being like there every day like chatting with everyone like you know like that like on the reg like having conversations trying to be their friend like you you're the gm be the GM. You don't need to. Rudy Gobert doesn't have friends as well. Yeah, well, I mean, doesn't have friends anymore. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean, though. Like, well, yeah, I, yeah, I, definitely. Friends, friends, friends in Utah anymore. Like him and Donovan Mitchell are mortal enemies. I was actually, I, I was um, scrolling through our Instagram feed, the Team Two, at Instagram. I don't know, if, whatever. Um, and one of the things that I wrote was a report from whoever it was, like ASPN. Um, and it said that the relationship between Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert was like unsalvageable and they would never be friends again. And then I was just looking at it. I'm like, fuck, they played a full season together and like had a playoff run. So like, yeah, but maybe they're really- not, maybe they're not hitting up all the best, like Mormon restaurants. In, <laughs> I don't know why I said Mormon restaurants. They're all Mormon, Mormon restaurants in Salt Lake city. Um, but yeah, they're not taking like road trips to Provo together, but you know, you don't need to be best mates to throw a lob to someone. Yeah, that's true. Just take us, for example. Yeah, well, exactly. I slam him down. Um, <laughs> and I just want to add on this Griff Krause thing. This, If it is like 
if it is Williamson or Ingram that came up with this, it's actually like a really nice, like not even cocky, just a nice humble brag because the the argument for Jerry Krause is that, you know, MJ fell into his lap and he did a good job at drafting good players. And then um, like he made a couple of shrewd moves. So if you're saying that your general manager is like Jerry Krause, obviously, obviously there's all the negative connotations, but if you're the player that plays for Jerry Krause, you're probably a good player because Jerry Krause did a good job at drafting players. So like Zion's sitting there like, Oh, you know, he's like Jerry Krause. Like, Oh, he's, he's such a prick, but God, he drafts well. Who do you pick first in 2019? <laughs> Like, I actually don't mind that both ways. Um, and then I, I just imagine again, Stephen Adams saying exactly what I just said to Zion, being like, fuck, you know, like, use it, use it, use it as a compliment, man. Like, keep going. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a, that's a pretty, uh, that's a pretty unique way of, of spinning that. Um, yeah. This is another one where, you know, obviously, again, we have been saying for quite a while that he should not be in charge, but it seems like that's where it's heading. Um, so this is another one that potentially is going to have pretty terrible timing because, you know, if this report's coming out now, obviously where there's smoke, there's fire, especially, you know, coming from the times Picayune, which is the local paper in New Orleans. It's not like it's ESPN reporting and, you know, like this guy, you know, Christian Clark, the intrepid Christian Clark is probably around the team quite often, especially in the lead up to the start of the season. So I think it's safe to assume that there is, um, uh, there is fire with this smoke. But then it's like, well, what are you doing? This is another bloke who you just let run the whole off season, and what you're going to fire him a month before the season starts, or you're going to fire him ten games into the season, or alternatively, all of these issues exist with him not only as a GM in the role, but also as a person and the insinuated organizational issues that he creates. We've discussed him potentially not being the nicest person, potentially not instilling like a great organizational culture. So if, if all those things exist and then you go through the first 15 games and you're 10 and five, does that just go away? And then you just, you know, you just keep him around until, you know, enjoying your moderate success until the toxicity of the organization becomes so much that you can't bear it and then you have to fire him and you just wasted a year, you know, six months, a year, 18 months, two years. Like if you're not getting the results and the person is you know, not a good figurehead for your organization. Why would you let him not only run the fucking off season, but hire a coach? <laughs> he, hired, he hired the coach. And so what are you going to fire him now, bring in a new GM who's like, oh, well, we haven't hired this coach. I didn't yeah. hire this coach. I'm not, you know, that immediately puts the coach on the hot seat, on the hot seat. But also, like like I wrote about in the article, like every single time David Griffin fixes up one of the one of these mistakes with these picks that he inherited uh, through the um, Drew Holiday trade and the Anthony Davis trade, every time he fixes up one of his his problems, like a Stephen Adams deal, and gives up stuff to let them go, that's a tool that your next general manager who's going to come in and fix this situation won't have in their arsenal. If you had fired David Griffin twelve months from now they would come in and still have that pick and like maybe they still have Lonzo and they kept that pick that they traded to the Hornets in the sign and trade for Devontae. That's not there anymore. It's like, you're just, you're just hindering the next person to come in. Um, and has David Griffin had consensual intercourse with one of his staffers? <laughs> well, I don't know if that's been reported yet, but I mean, like, would you be surprised? 
Yeah. Not to wildly speculate, but <laughs> I don't know what I don't know what Griff's uh marital status is, which is obviously no, what he's, makes... no, he, he's married. Um, because I did my research when I was writing the article. I'm just thinking two things right now. First of all, like he had testicular cancer and stuff. So, like, you know, you get you can make a horrible joke if you're that way inclined. And then secondly, um, I just like as I was saying in the group chat before, because the uh fever women's world cup is in 2022. Obviously, I'm applying for some fever credentials at the moment, just like give it a shot. Um, and if they just happen to wander over the most recent episode of the Deep Down Bear podcast, they will hear us just pontificating about David Griffin's sex life in <laughs> in the front office. So, like, well, you know what? Someone has to pontificate about it, and I say, why not us? FIBA officials, if you're listening, this is a representation of our podcast. We don't usually do this. It's just a week away from training camp, and we're filling content in. <laughs> <laughs> um, so excited for the World Cup. Sydney. Yeah, it's dope that it's going to be in Sydney. We're uh, we're we're definitely going to get a uh, a little a little crew together and, and make an appearance. I think mm, just um, like just like when we went to Illawarra to watch uh, Lamelo Ball. Yeah, exactly. That was that was sick. Remember that? That was that was, that was amazing. <laughs> nah, but to be fair, he got injured before Melbourne could play in Ill because we want. I, I mean, I wanted to go to Illawarra and just say like, what the fuck is here? Um, still don't know. Never will find out. <laughs> well, we could always just go to Illawarra, but. There's less of a pool. Maybe in 2024 when Javonte Graham, and that sounds awfully like Javonte <laughs> Graham for a made-up name. When when Alan Smith, the next big like you you know US, US Josh high school Smith's star, because he, he plays for Illinois, we can make the little road trip. I'm sure there was a reason why I didn't go. Maybe I was living in Perth potentially. Uh, maybe it was was no. It would have been. It would have been. Before it was before that. then because yeah, because been, Lamelo had the first. Um, would have been was, around the 2019-2020 summer. Lamelo playing in Melbourne and Sydney both had uh record. Uh, it was just Sydney. He didn't play in Melbourne. Um, it was the record crowd for an NBL game when Lamelo went to Sydney. Played Andrew Bogut. Yeah. He's like, wow. So this is what nine thousand people looks like. <laughs> <laughs> well, I went to um, I went to a playoff game that season where it was Melbourne versus Sydney, uh, and I just love saying go hard or go to Sydney. And it was game two because uh, they do best of three. And Andrew, I was like, oh my god, my first time seeing Andrew Bogut in person. Like last time I tried to see him was like twenty fourteen when my friend Angus and I lined up outside Foot Locker in Melbourne for two hours just for him to close up shop and not actually see us because we were too late. That's a story for another podcast. Um, but yeah, I was like, oh, I get to see Andrew Bogut. Like, you know, obviously he's like 30 million years old, but, you know, like he's he just won the MVP, won Defensive Player of the Year, his first team All-NBL. And he ended the fucking game with zero points and three rebounds or something. It was zero points and like single-digit rebounds. And Melbourne had blown the game out of the water like before halftime. And he just sat for the second half. What was his What was his box score for slurs and conspiracy theories? <laughs> <laughs> Probably pretty um, high. Yeah, now probably pretty high, but they, they all seem to rush in after he was looking for gainful employment as a basketball player. Funny, it's crazy how that works. Yeah, that is that is crazy. Uh, well, mm. he's obviously found gainful employment uh, with Channel Seven as a basketball commentator. Oh yeah. After yeah. what we what we listened to uh, during the Olympics when we couldn't get the kindly old American grandpa man. I I actually never heard Andrew Bogut or Gay speak. I was always grandpa man, or there was like some like. 
some like Eastern European lady that was doing all the games as well. It was kind old man. Well, I never got the Eastern European lady. I, my my alternate crew was Andrew Gaze and and Andrew Bogert, the Drews, which is just I need less of in my life. The Drew less crew, of both of them individually <laughs> and both of them together. I don't need to be watching the footy and then in the fourth quarter see an ad for the bounce with Andrew Gaze just trying to be funny, and I don't need him. I don't need him there. Andrew Gaze in a me. suit with the shittest fucking shoes on, with the shittest sneakers. Um, yeah. Let's actually going back to that FIBA accreditation. Let's not um. Let's not slag off commentators who like, you know, <laughs> work for FIBA. Um, the we Drew can, Crew. We can slag off. We can slag off Andrew Berger. Andrew Berger deserves to be slagged off. The Drew Crew is another famous quote that David Griffin probably said while playing Steel Dre to um, Zion Williamson in the bubble. <laughs> Well, <laughs> be very. That would be very Griff in character. Oh, um, I thought I thought you were making a play on Grim. Um, is that the natural conclusion to this episode? <laughs> I don't. I don't. I think you're. I think you're a bit premature there because I just wanted to give a quick plug to the Jeff Van Gundy uh, NBA tribute show co-host and deep two contributor lucas petridis wrote a wonderful article uh called a decade of limbo is over uh and it's about the washington wizards and it's kind of like uh how the hell did we get here to a place that maybe resembles optimism new coach lots of young talent westbrook is gone uh so check that out that's up on up now on the deep2.com can't believe it's that simple and you can also access it on instagram through our uh the link in our bio and then obviously on facebook as well where we've shared it around so that was a really good article and obviously if you've been reading our stuff and reading lucas's stuff you know that he brings a signature flavor and a signature flair uh which is always a lot of fun and this one doesn't disappoint on that front so I think now that is the natural conclusion to this podcast. Beautiful. So as Dante said, check out the article on the deep2.com or follow any of our socials. Uh, I'm sure you can find them. You're listening to this. You found this podcast. You're smart enough to do it. Dante, I will speak to you next time. See you, Sean. Bye.